to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. And we're going to read a pretty large portion. We're going to read the first 14 verses of this chapter. So I'll start reading that. 1 Samuel 23, verse 1. And they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they robbed the threshing floors. Now this is a time when David was on the run from Saul, hiding from Saul, and men were being gathered unto him. People were coming to resort to him for helping, but this would become his mighty men, those that were resorting to him in the wilderness. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite the Philistines? So he, he, he hears about an attack of the Philistines on one of the, the towns of Israel. While he's hiding from Saul out there in the wilderness, he hears about it. So he turns to God, Shall I go and fight against the Philistines? The Lord said, verse, verse 2, Go unto David, go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David, David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of uh, Ahimelech fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. It was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And remember, Saul is hunting down David and wants to kill him because he's jealous of him. And Saul said, God had delivered him, or David, into my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war, to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. And said, then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about six hundred, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah and he forbade to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. I want to just stop right there. That's an interesting story. You might or might not be very familiar with it. This is, as I said, a time when David was on the run from Saul. God always spared David. God always helped him to escape. He was always one step ahead of Saul because of the Lord. Because of the Lord speaking to him and David sought the Lord. And Saul didn't have the presence of God in his life and was not honoring the Lord or serving the Lord at this time. And David continued to be spared because God was eventually going to make him the king of his people, right? And make an eternal covenant with David 
all the way through Christ coming to be born of that lineage. But I, I believe the Lord's given me a, a series, at least three weeks, starting today, on the, the word delivered. Okay, the de- delivered. Uh, David was used to deliver the the inhabitants of Keilah from the Philistines that were attacking. God delivered David out of Saul's hands and, and the people of Keilah's hands. And we're going to talk about three different thoughts on delivered. Okay, delivered. First of all, and this is what we're going to talk about today. And look back at verse 10, where David, remember he wins this victory, he spares the people of Keilah from the attack of the Philistines, and, and they're, you know, they're okay and they're safe because David has been rescued them. David said, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? And so there's another type of deliverance here. When the Lord says, yes, they're going to deliver you over. Now think about David and his 600 men for, for no benefit of their own, actually. They, they were just used because he had a, was a man of God. And God was already given him a shepherd's heart. Wanted to spare these inhabitants of this Israeli town from the Philistines who were the enemies of God. And so they go and they deliver. And the, the people are spared. And then, the, then David says... I heard Saul's on his way here to get me. He heard I'm here in Keilah with my men. And he inquires of the Lord with the, with the son of the priest there. And he says, will the inhabitants of Keilah deliver me into Saul's hands? And the Lord says, yes, they're going to do it. I'm thinking, what gratitude, right? David just spared them. And, and when Saul comes seeking David's life to kill him and all his 600 men, they're just going to turn him over. They're just going to hand him over. So there's that kind of deliverance, being delivered as well. And this is what we're talking about today, being delivered by men over to the hands of an enemy, okay, or our adversaries. But the next series, the next sermon will be being delivered by God, which we saw the, the Lord delivered David and his men. They didn't fall into Saul's hands. They got out before the men of Keilah could turn him over to Saul, and they were saved. Okay, being delivered by God, that could be from sin. It could be delivered from strongholds in our lives. God is the deliverer. Amen. We'll talk about that next week. And then thirdly, we're going to be talking about the people of God, the Christians, the saints of God being delivered over to death for the glory of God. That's going to be a really interesting one. The people of God that are saved, we've been delivered from the power of sin We belong to the Lord, but the Lord delivers us over unto death or maybe to persecution or whatever it may be that his power might be manifest in our lives. That will be the third part of this series. But today I want to talk about being delivered by men. Okay, and in in this sense, what we're talking about delivered by men being being betrayed, basically, I think God says, yes, the men of Keilah are going to betray you. You just came to their rescue. They're going to turn you over in a second. Okay, to Saul. Being betrayed by men. Being betrayed by adversaries. Being given over by men. I would say being sold out by men. Joseph's brothers, Joseph in the Old Testament, his brothers, sold him, their own brother of flesh and blood, for 20 pieces of silver. 
his, his brothers. And I want to just read this. You don't have to turn there, but I'm reading from Genesis 37, 18 through 20. And when they saw him afar off, his brothers were out with the flocks. They look up. They're Jacob, the, uh, I mean, yeah, Jacob had sent um, Joseph to go check on his brothers. And they see him coming with his coat of many colors. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Okay? Men will sell you out. Men will sell you out. Okay? They, they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver because they were jealous of him. Because they hated him because of the dreams that God had given him. And they sold him. They had no fear of God. They had the brothers I'm talking about. No compassion on their brother or just on another human being. No conviction of their sin and wickedness. The Bible says they first they threw him in a pit and they sat down to eat bread. So they threw him in a pit and they said, let's have a sandwich. And their brothers in there crying out, crying out in no regard at all. No compassion. And when convenience comes, hey, let's make some money off of him. Here's some band of Ishmaelites coming by. We'll sell our brother to them. But we're talking about being delivered over by men. Wicked men will deliver the righteous. Wicked men will deliver the righteous. Deliver in this sense is not the same definition of where God delivered us from evil and so forth. Delivered here when men, the men of Keilah wanted to deliver David over, when his brothers delivered him over to the, uh, to the uh, slave traders. That, the word here for this one, where the, the brothers delivered him over, means to surrender, to give over, to, to shut in, to stop. So basically it's like, we're going to give you over. We're going to give you over to the enemy. And... Wicked men will hand you over and deliver over the righteous for their own gain, for their own profit, to save their own necks, to save their own necks, or just for convenience sake, for their own convenience. So the men of Keilah had been delivered by David and instantly they heard Saul was coming. Now Saul had a lot more than 600 men. He was still the king of Israel and they had his armies and he would have destroyed the city before he would let David escape from that city. Because he wanted David and his men. Okay? And they were going to deliver David over to save their own necks. Here, take him. Take him. All men are not faithful. How many of you know that? All men are not faithful. I praise God there are faithful men. It's usually going to be men of God and women of God that are faithful. There are faithful men and, and women who will sacrifice at great cost to themselves for others. The Bible says that Nehemiah, he was a faithful man and feared God above many. I think those two things go together, the fear of the Lord and the faithfulness of men. Amen. I want to just read this quickly from Acts 15, 26. The, the church in Jerusalem said it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So there are men that are faithful. Paul and Barnabas were, and there was others as well. But they had hazarded their lives. They had delivered up their lives for Christ and for the gospel and for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But all men are not faithful. Amen. No matter what men may say at a time when you're getting along and everything's fine, there could be some point when they'll seek, when it comes to that point or that moment of truth, so to speak, when they will want to, they will want to save their own skin. They will want to save their own necks. They will, men will be self-preservationist. Now God can change your heart and make us faithful unto death. Amen? But I'm just talking about men of this world and men in general. The Lord Jesus Christ was delivered up, the Bible says, by men. And then, hallelujah, He was delivered by His Father and raised from the dead. But evil men did deliver Him over, right? We know He died for our sins. We know it was the plan of the ages from the foundation of the world. He's the Lamb slain for the, for the sins of the world. But in that moment, wicked men delivered Him over. The Jews said, we don't want Him. We want uh, Barnabas, I mean Barabbas. And what should I do with Jesus who's called Christ? Crucify Him. Jesus was in the hands of him. He's in his father's hands ultimately, but he was in the hands of wicked men who delivered him over unto death. And the Lord delivered him. And the, the deliverance of the Lord means to rescue, to pluck out. The Lord delivered him and rescued him and plucked him out. I want to read this just real quickly. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. Jesus told his disciples, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him, that's to turn him over for selfish reasons, okay? Deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify him and the third day he shall rise again. That's God's deliverance. That's the Lord plucking him out of their, of their hands and out of the grave. But... Uh, I think about people in the Bible like Jeremiah. Jeremiah the weeping prophet, right? Jeremiah went and spoke from a young man. He said, I'm just a child, Lord. How can I speak? He says, don't just say you're a child. When you're in your mother's womb, I formed you. And I'll put the words in your mouth and you'll speak what I give you. And Jeremiah spoke at a time when the Lord was warning Judah specifically about the coming of the Babylonian captivity. That they were going to go into judgment because of their sin and rebellion against the Lord and their waywardness. And he spoke the truth. And instead of being embraced, thank you for telling us the truth. Thank you for warning us. The very leadership that he to ask him to speak and he spoke to them, threw him into the dungeon, threw him into the pit more than once. And he was delivered over by wicked men. Amen. Delivered over by, by wicked men. And God rescued him more than once. But we see that King Herod in, in the book of Acts, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. King Herod, okay, kills James with the sword, one of the apostles. And then he took Peter. And after the Easter feast, it wasn't our Easter, but the feast of uh, that was coming, he was going to bring him out and kill Peter out of prison. But the Lord delivered him. The Lord delivered Peter out of King Herod's hands. But why did King Herod do it? It says when he saw it please the Jews. He killed James and the Jews says yes. 
So he says, let me take another one. Let me get Peter too. He's one of the pillars of the church. Let me take Peter and right after the feast, we'll kill him too. But God rescued him out of his hand. Not only the king's hand, but you could say out of the power of Rome's hands. And he was delivered at that time. Now, now we see that the wicked will deliver the righteous over. They will hand you over. When it comes to that crunch time, when it comes to that moment, it looks like everybody's getting along fine and you're around lost people or whatever it may be. But when it comes to saving their own neck or maybe some great gain for themselves, they will turn you over. Okay? We see this in the Bible. Now, I remember Clendenin talking about uh, a friend of his, I think, that lived, I believe is a friend of his, that lived across the street from him and saying, uh, Brother, uh, Brother Clendenin, I really like you. It's a shame that when the jihad starts, I'm going to have to kill you. He was a Muslim. And he really meant it. I really like you, but when that time comes, I'm going to have to kill you. The wicked will deliver the righteous because they're wicked. Could be for 20 pieces of silver. Could be to save their own necks like the men of Keilah. Well, Saul's going to kill us. We better just turn over David. They didn't care that Saul wanted to kill David and 600 men that just rescued them. They were selfish. They want to save their own necks. The wicked will deliver the righteous to save their own necks. Now, I want to say this. Well, what, what does that have to do with us? Well, I believe it has a lot to do with us. I don't, I don't believe that because the wicked deliver the righteous, that we as the blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ are to live in fear. I don't believe we're to live in fear. I don't believe we're to adopt this cynical view of the world. That it's me all by myself against every man. You know, getting a couple of 12-gauge shotguns and barricading ourselves in the house because wicked men are all around. Well, they're all around. They've been all around. And at that moment, they will deliver us over if they have that opportunity, okay? And if God allows it to happen. We're not to live in fear of that. We're not to isolate ourselves from all men. We are to be the lover of all men, the lover of our enemies, the lover of men's souls. And we're to be out in the highways and byways compelling men to come into the house of the Lord, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to fulfill the Great Commission. So having said that the wicked deliver the righteous, I'll tell you what it's not to do. It's not to have the effect of making us isolationists are fearful till we crawl up in a ball, lock the door, and we peek out the shades to see who's coming. That's not the child of God. Even when wicked men abound and wickedness abounds and evil men and seducers are waxing more and more and so forth, we are not to live in fear. We are to be wise, but we're to be loving. Okay, wise. We're not ignorant. We're not stupid. Okay? Uh, Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be both of those things, not one of those things. And nowhere does he say, Be afraid. Later in that same chapter, in Matthew 10, I was quoting, he says, Don't fear him who can destroy the body, but after that has no power over the soul. I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Not the devil and not men. And so we are to be wise but loving. We're to be like our Lord. We're to have spiritual wisdom and understanding 
what are we supposed to understand? Well, in, in what we're talking about today, we're, uh, we're to understand the nature of men apart from Christ. The nature of men apart from Christ. Like I said, they're lost. And when that moment of truth comes, whatever that moment is, 20 pieces of silver or to save their lives or to save their children, or to save their job or to save their home, whatever it may be. When that moment of truth comes, when they reach that point in their lives, they will turn you over. We're to understand the nature of men apart from Christ. This is a wonderful verse. I'm just going to read it uh, in John 24 and 25. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. At this point in John chapter 2, there were, it says there were, as he preached and spoke, that a lot of people believed on him. I think it's interesting, but he did not commit himself unto them after he had just done miracles and they believed, because it says he knew all men. He needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. That's the wisdom. Did he love them? Yes. Did he know that they were going to betray him at the drop of a hat? Or when the Jews talked him into it? Or when it came time for his crucifixion? Yes. One of his closest disciples betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. He knew what was in men, and yet he still loved them. Washed Judas' feet and so forth. And so that's, that's how we're to be. We're to be wise, not fearful, but we're to have some understanding of what's going on. Uh, we're not to be ignorant of the nature of men that without Christ. Men that are lost. We're not to be ignorant of the nature of this world and the God of this world. We're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. But we're also not to become like them. It would be easy to become like them. I'm gonna, they, they sold me out. I'm going to sell them out. Nobody's going to sell me out. I'm going to protect myself. And we get hard-hearted, but that's not what we're to be. The love of God is to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. But Paul says, the more I love, the less I be loved. Guess what? That's the nature of man. Not the nature of God. It's the nature of man. And that to, to love less. The men of Keilah sure didn't show any love or, or gratitude towards David. God says, they're going to deliver you up in a second when Saul gets here. And God helped them escape before Saul got there. But wicked men, you know what they are? They're betrayers of innocent blood. Betrayers of innocent blood. But we're not. And we're not to be that. Turn with me in your Bibles. I want you to read from John chapter 10. I quoted some from that. It's a wonderful book, uh, chapter in the Bible. This is where the Lord sends His disciples out. He gives them power over unclean spirits and to heal all manner of disease. It says, freely you've received, freely give. And He sends them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And right after he talks about the sheep and the wolves, uh, he, let's look at verse 17. We'll read from there through verse 21. But beware of men. How about that? Right off the bat. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. So there's a purpose in it. It's going to be a testimony against them. If the wicked are freely given over the righteous, when the righteous are righteous and doing what God's called them to do, and the wicked sell them out and deliver them over, it's a testimony for God against the wicked. That's what he says here. For a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, not if, 
Take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Now that, you would say that's, that's a pretty grim view. But that's what the Lord's saying. Is that this is the nature of men without the Lord. This is not our home. This world is not our home. The whole world lies in the embrace of who? It's James, I think James or John says, in the embrace of the wicked one. Whole world. I say it all the time. It doesn't mean every person that's lost is demon-possessed. But the whole world that's lost is lost. And the whole world that's lost, the whole world of humanity, lies in the embrace, in the comfortable embrace, until they're plucked out and delivered by God, by faith in Jesus Christ and saved, they lie comfortably in the embrace of the wicked one. That's where they are. That's their nature. They're comfortable there until they're brought out. But Jesus says, beware of men. You know what that means? It means doesn't mean avoid men. doesn't mean hate men. It doesn't mean kill men. It doesn't mean shoot whoever comes knocking on your door. It looks like they mean trouble. It means pay attention. Be cautious. Take heed. Hold to mind. Beware of men, he says, for they will deliver you up. Some point when you're serving God. Now, if you don't serve God, and don't make it known that you're a Christian. You won't have to worry about this. You just have to worry about offending your father and answering to him one day. Okay? But they will deliver you up. And it's, it's not just men in the world. It's not just government officials who come in here and say, shut down the church. You can't have church anymore. You preach such and such. And it's offensive to people today. That's, that's going on as well. But look at verse 21 again. The brother shall deliver up the brother to death. The father, the child, the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. This would be the people that we really, of all the people on the planet, I know they're against me. And this administration is against me and so forth. But you, you know, understand what I'm saying? But people, that's the nature of men apart from the Lord. My brother going to deliver me over to death? Parents, their children, children's going to sell out their parents and cause them to be put to death? That really is going to happen and happens on this planet. And we're not to live in fear of that, though. We're not to live in fear of that. We're also not to be like them. Don't be like them. We're born of the Lord. We're not to be like them. We're, we are to be aware and to take heed and to pay attention because our God and our Savior who delivered us from sin and its power is still in control. Things are playing out. Things are not out of control and say, where is the Lord? He's saying, well, we need the Lord to come help us. Things are playing out with God watching over all of it. It's going to happen exactly like He says in His Word. Our great God is still who has the power to deliver and has delivered us from the power of sin is still in control. And he told us beforehand, didn't he tell his disciples right here before he sent them out? Now they came back after this little trip he sent them on rejoicing. Even the devils were subject to us in your name. And so they went in, in power, but he told them beforehand 
in his word and he told us in his word because we just read it what to expect sheep in the midst of wolves we've heard about that a lot lately sheep in the midst of wolves not a good and we're the sheep by the way all right sheep in the midst of wolves and not only sheep in the midst of wolves but jesus says i'm sending you out there like that this is not contrary to my plan I'm sending you out there that way. It's not a surprise is all I'm saying. And the Lord didn't want it to be a surprise. It's not contrary to what our Lord told us. He hasn't deceived us. Amen. And there are those in that parable of the seed and the sower that received the word in stony places. And they didn't have much root. And when the sun came up, it was scorched and it withered and died and brought forth no fruit. The gospel went, they received it, they're all excited. But it, when that parable is explained, it says when persecution arise, arose because of the word's sake. Jesus said to his disciples, Father, I've given them thy word and the world hath hated, hath hated them. Because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so the Lord tells us beforehand, it's not contrary to what he said. He didn't trick us. And there are people that they, they go to some kind of accept Christ in some, some manner or form, but they, they don't see the whole picture that, wait a minute, just because you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you're going to be elected mayor. Okay? There's going to be persecution that comes with this. Uh, that's a promise. It's given unto ha- us on behalf of Christ to suffer with Him. To suffer with Him. And we're to be partakers of his suffering. And so uh, it's not a surprise. God has ordained this for our lives. God has ordained this nature of sheep in the midst of wolves to show his power. God has ordained it for our lives for a time. It all has a very definite ending point to it. Either the rapture of the church or when the Lord calls you home. That's where it will end for you. And it won't be that way. You won't be a sheep in the midst of wolves anymore. You won't be hated for all, by all men for His name's sake. You won't be persecuted for righteousness' sake. You won't have to wait and say, God, are they going to deliver me over? Because we'll only be with the Lord and the righteous and the blood-bought and the redeemed. There'll be no sin there. And we'll be in the arms of our Lord and Savior. And there'll be nobody to betray us. It will be awesome. So it's a very definite time frame, whether it's a week of suffering, whether it's a month, whether it's a year, whether it's the rest of our lifetimes, it still has a big period at the end of it that this too shall pass. This is going to pass. What I have for you is not going to pass. But right now, this is my will for your life. I want to show myself mighty through your life. So I'm allowing you to go through it. Paul understood it. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. And therefore, he rejoiced in persecutions and in tribulations and so forth, that the grace of God may be rich upon his life and abound in his life. We have to that, that's what we're this sermon today. And this thought is wicked men will deliver if they're righteous. But the wicked men will only deliver the righteous, number one, if we're living righteously before the Lord, to where people even take notice of our righteousness. And second of all, uh, if the Lord allows it. Third of all, we're not to live in fear for it, that God has a purpose in it 
He has his holy purposes and eternal purposes in it for his own glory. He's allowed it to be like this. God allowed Joseph in the Old Testament to be sold out by his brothers. You know that he allowed that, right? The Bible says that the word of the Lord tried him in the Psalms. It's recounting about Joseph during that time, sold by his brothers in slavery, then in prison. The, Lord, the word of the Lord tried him. So God's doing a trial in his life. Wicked men were wicked. They had no good thought. Nothing about God going to do a great work in Joseph's life. They just delivered him over. Wicked or wicked. All right? His brothers were wicked. And later, they, it seems like they came around. But they delivered him over. But God allowed it. God allowed it because God was going to, in his miraculous way, and who would have thought of it, that he is going to become the prime minister of Egypt real soon, tomorrow about this time, when he was in prison. He's going to be prime minister of Egypt. Pharaoh's going to put everything, basically the power of Egypt, into his hands. And he will be used, not only to spare Egypt, but the 70 souls of Jacob that came out of the famine that traveled to Egypt. He was going to preserve their life because Christ was going to one day become the Savior of the world and come from that lineage. So God had a plan. Wicked men delivered their brother over and God had a plan. He allowed it to happen for His glory. I love the way the Lord turns things around and changes things. He was a preserver of life. Joseph was a type of Christ. He didn't hate his brothers when he saw them again all those years later. He didn't have them put to death. He didn't put them through the ringer. He, he forgave them. He forgave them. The Lord allowed James to be taken by Herod and beheaded. He had a martyr's crown. He's with the Lord instantly. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. The Lord allowed Peter to be taken by Herod and put in prison that he might deliver him from Herod's hands and from the power of Rome. And to say, no, my servant's got a lot more work to do. You're not going to kill him right now. He's got work to do. The Lord, the Father allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to be taken. Taken, and, and I'll just read this. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, this is Peter's sermon after the lame man was healed, hath glorified His Son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied Him in the presence of Pilate when He was determined to let Him go and kill the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. The Father allowed the Son to go through the Garden of Gethsemane like we heard this morning, sweat drops of blood, be spat upon, mocked. You're like, well, that's the Son of God. Why are you allowing that to be that way? Because He's going down, 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 down. On the cross, dying, gave up the ghost, down into a grave, and then raised by the power of God the third day because death could not hold Him. Amen? It was impossible that he should be holding of it, Peter said in his, his Pentecost Day sermon. But the Lord allows this men to deliver up the righteous or deliver us up in order to show forth his great power. I would say his matchless power to deliver his own. And what it appears like at the time when the righteous are being persecuted, at the time when Joseph is being sold out by his brothers, at the time when Jesus is being spat upon it and ridiculed, uh, it allows and appears at that moment that the wicked have won. 
It just appears that way. It seems like God is nowhere to be found, but you know, this is the Son of God, or this is this is Joseph, who God gave all these dreams and visions to, or this is Daniel, or this is this is my servant James, or this is Peter, and you're you're allowing them. Where are you, Lord? It looks at that moment like the wicked are greater. It looks at that moment like the, the wicked have won. And yet they have not won. They haven't won at all. Peter, when he Peter later, after he was released from prison, and the, the prison door swung open and he came out, Herod didn't kill him at that point. But later, after he served the Lord, and God says, you're, you're going to put off this earthly tabernacle and you can come be with me now. Okay? There was a day. His, history says that Peter was crucified upside down. And it looks like the wicked won. Or James is beheaded by the sword. It looks like they won. Tyndale and Wycliffe putting the, the, the Scriptures in, into the common language so people could read it and be born again and, and come to know the Lord. And they're, they're martyred. Um, it looks like the wicked are winning. When Afghan Christian missionaries or the missionaries sent over there in our day are being killed by Taliban. Looks like the Taliban are winning. Look how fierce they are. Look how mighty they are. They're not winning. Even in death, God delivers us. Amen? Even in death, don't ever forget that. When the Lord Jesus was crucified, it looked like the wicked had won, but they had not won. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So he sees it. He understands. He allows the righteous to be delivered over by the wicked because that one life can bring forth abundant fruit. If God sees fit through death or through persecution, whatever the case may be, it appears like the wicked are winning, but they are not winning. Amen? They are not winning. God still, still sits on the throne. I'm going to bring this to a close. The Lord shows in those moments, and we'll talk more about the Lord's deliverance next week when He delivers us, but He shows at those moments His there's an impassable, there's first his matchless power. He's greater than the power of Rome or greater than the power of Egypt or greater than Joseph's brothers or greater than the sword or greater than what uh, the grave and he raised his son. But he also shows the impassable gulf, immeasurable gulf between wicked men, sinful men who will sell you out to save their own necks or for 20 pieces of silver and this faithful God. He shows, I'm not like those people. I am not like those people. They will sell you out. I'll die for you. They will sell you out for a morsel of bread or to save their own necks or for 20 pieces of silver. But I'm not like they are. The Bible says He's the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Men will sell you out because it benefits them for a moment in this fleeting life, which is going to end. God is the everlasting God. And He is faithful, and He's faithful to the end. Men will deliver up the people of God because they're lost. They're in darkness. They're in sin. They're unconverted. They're dead in their sins and trespasses. 
Their foolish hearts are darkened. They're lost, but we, we were lost once too. And the Lord delivered us. And He's opened our eyes. And the wicked that are delivering the righteous every day on this planet, it's only as the Lord allows it, but those wicked can be saved. And the Lord loves them and He's not willing that any pet perish. The Philippian jailer was jailing Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, and God delivered them. And that Philippian jailer hit his knees and said, what must I do to be saved? And he got saved in his whole household. The Lord is still the deliverer. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up to Saul? David says, the Lord says yes. But God delivered him and his 600 men from them. He did not die at their hands. Men will deliver you up. Men will deliver you over. Men you thought would never do such a thing will do such a thing. But our God is faithful. And our God will deliver us from their hands. John 10, 29 says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. I and my Father are one. The Lord plucks us out. He allows us to go through things to show His power and might. We'll look at that more at the weeks of, in the weeks ahead. I want you to close with me by uh, close with me by looking at Revelation two ten. Do you can come? Revelation two ten. This is the, when the Lord's addressing the seven churches in Asia. This is the church of Smyrna. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. This is what I believe the Lord would say to us this morning as well. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you, some of you, and this is one of the faithful churches, into prison, that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Men will deliver us over. They can only do it as the Lord allows. And if He allows it, He has an eternal purpose in it. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we have to trust Him in all those things. It appears like the wicked are winning and are greatest and in authority, and they're not. They are not. Amen? The just just as these playing the the three Hebrew boys is such a beautiful example. I, I picture this a bunch of tattletales when the instruments sounded and everybody, everybody was supposed to bow down to this ninety foot tall statue that the king's command would be thrown in the fiery furnace. There are some that came around, King, you said that whoever doesn't bow down when the music sounds should be cast in the fire. Well, there's three Hebrew boys over here. They didn't bow down when you said. And the king was enraged and he talks to him, and they said, He will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. If you got to throw us in the fire, you got to throw us in the fire. But there's one thing we know God's going to deliver us out of your hand. In the fire and in death, or in the fire and life, He's going to deliver us out of your hand. I just want to encourage you today. We're going to talk about the Lord being our deliverer and so forth more next week. But I just wanted to see the, the contrast between wicked men who will sell you out 
and a faithful God who is faithful unto, unto death. He proved His love for us on the cross. Amen? The altars are open. I just want you to come and just thank the Lord. Spend some time with the Lord this morning and just seek, seek the Lord. And, and maybe, you've, maybe you've become fearful because of the hour in which we live. You know, this is being forced upon us. This is being this way. And, and where is this going to lead? And we're quickly approaching that. What will I do if X, Y, and Z happen? We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're not going to compromise the Lord. And God's going to keep us. And He's going to deliver us in life. And He's going to deliver us in death. And He's going to deliver us out of their hands. Whatever that their hands is. Amen? So let's just come. Maybe we've been living in fear. God wants to encourage you this morning to trust Him. Father, we come before You. I thank You, Lord God of Heaven, that my Father, Jesus said, my, my Father and I are one. No one can pluck us from the Father's hands. My Father is greater than all. And God, You're our Father. And we praise You this morning. And we bless You. And we thank You that You haven't given us the spirit of, of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we're going to trust You, Lord. And we're going to forgive those that have wronged us, God. And we're going to pray for their salvation. And we're going to be wise, Lord. And not foolish. We're going to understand Satan's devices. We're going to understand the nature of men without Christ. We don't commit ourselves fully to every man. We need to be wise, Lord. Help us to be wise as servants and at the same time as harmless as doves. Keep us, Lord. Guard us. Help us have an eternal mindset that we see beyond just this week and this year and our, our brief lives here on earth that we would see with eternal eyes. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.